Yosha, and welcome to the next uh, 8-4 Play podcast. My name is uh, Mark Bishop Killer MacDonald. I'm joined with the uh, regular cast and another special guest, a very special guest this week, as promised. So we're back again. Uh, only a week has passed. We're the only weekly, bi-weekly podcast out there. Um, we're doing a pretty good job of that so far. We have been, yeah, consistent. If uh, if nothing else, right. so um, if you uh, randomly found us on iTunes or I don't know how, uh, you might have read about us on your favorite uh, Britney Spears blog or something like that. <laughs> That's right. We are the uh, only podcast about Japan games and Japanese video games. Not really. Are we? I think there's like two or no, three other ones. <laughs> no, but we used yeah. to say that on EGM, like the number one video game magazine, and uh, we weren't, but it's, <laughs> right. like, I see. it's like technically nobody uses the word video games as one word, so we're just <laughs> well, you're the number one video game as one word. Okay. Yeah, so uh, anyway, so joining me um, uh, opposite cross is uh, John Chayflop Riccardi. Chayflop? Chayflop? Yeah. Is this the Chayflop about Castlevania? How did you know? I didn't even explain that. Uh, how did that. I know? Um, All right, we'll get so, into that later. Yeah, for people who don't know, Chayflop, so named after uh, EGM's own Chay Chow, now of 343 Studios, who used to flop back and forth on whether he liked the game, whether it was the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever, depending on what day you talk to him. Uh, yeah, so... That's and, fair. Uh, I think I have Chayflop, so... And it's, right. a, it's a good thing it's in sometimes, this case. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes games Chayflop is a good thing. Sometimes you Chayflop, sometimes game Chayflop you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> you should say. Um, so, uh, chuckling over there to my right is uh, JJ L. Trigger Epperson. Okay. Yeah. You, can you guess why you are your nickname? Uh, L. Trigger. No. Ah, wow. Not 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 too sharp today, are we? It's, uh, Monster what? Hunter Portable 3rd demo came out today, and we've been playing it a lot, and you use the L-Trigger a lot. That too. is the right trigger to block. No, I, I was actually, talking about I the use, camera. Uh, I use the claw. Hello. I'm the cl- I use the claw. I actually never use the L-Trigger. So oh, really? call me JJ the Claw. You failed twice now. <laughs> it's L-Trigger to recenter the camera. Anyway, we'll be getting into that a little later, along with Castlevania. Uh, to my immediate right... Is uh, Hiroko Lady Mama Minamoto? <laughs> Lady Mama. That's right. Up till two a.m. singing, belting out the hits last <laughs> night. That's right. right. A karaoke. And yeah, that's how I lost my voice, and I have a cold today. Oh but, shit! Yeah. Wait, what? What song did you sing uh, to lose uh, your voice? I'm not gonna announce. Yes, that. you are. No, no, I'm not. Give us Do one. It. Tell us one song you sang. <laughs> song title. I'm not asking you to sing it. Okay. Yeah. So I was demanded to sing an AKB song because of my voice. Ah. <laughs> but I am. <laughs> I'm never gonna do this again. So who is Tai Takata? Yes, Ai Takata. It was Ai Takata. <laughs> Holy shit! How did, did you, I guess? Did you do the dance and everything? Of course not. Oh. Wait. So who? Yeah, who's uh, AKB? How would you explain AKB? Uh, so Anybody in Japan totally knows who yeah, AKB is. Yeah, they're on TV. They're everywhere these days. Yeah. They're a very famous idol group um, from Akihabara. Mm. Yeah, and the um, electronics district. Yeah, of Japan, and so. They perform um, in a real studio like every week and they appear in front of um, the audience. That was the big thing about them. But now they're like the number one idol group in Japan. Right. Yeah. And they're what? Average age is like 17? 17, 18. And there's 48 of them is why they're named AKB48. Right. Uh So they're like, they go out in like troops of 16. There's like an A tier and a B tier and a C tier, right? Right, right, right. 
it's it's really disturbing. And then uh-huh. when they get too old, it's like Menudo. Uh-huh. Except instead of being taken out back and shot like they are in Menudo, <laughs> they actually graduate to another idol group. Right, a sexier version. Which of, yeah, yeah. Because they can't like they have to kind of sell themselves. Yes, right. Uh-huh. So they they like reveal a little more skin. They're uh-huh. like they become more desperate. Right, right. It's yeah. kind of sad. It's very sad. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. Well. Not sad at all, and we're very <laughs> happy to have here our very special guest. Let me pronounce this correctly. Arne? <laughs> Arne? Is that right? That's right. Arne, all right. Arne, cubic mouth Dale Meyer. <laughs> if you want to uh, understand his nickname, you should check out his Twitter feed, uh, Arnie Meyer. That's yep. it, at ArnieMeyer.com. That's right. And, and who the hell are you? Uh, well, I work at Naughty Dog. I'm kind of their community strategist, and uh, I've been in the games industry for ten years. So you have actually, you actually have a pretty kick-ass title, though, senior manager of marketing communications. Oh no, it, it changed. What? We changed that. Yeah. What? But you're on the PlayStation blog like a thousand times as senior manager of marketing communications. It's probably because yeah. we forgot to tell them. Somebody's to change getting it. fired. <laughs> so wait, so are you? But but I've heard you call yourself much more modestly like community and PR guy or something like. Yeah, that. Yeah, I usually say I'm just a community and PR guy because it explains there's no good way to sort of cover what I do. Um, so that's why I, we just say it that way. But I'm I'm now the community strategist because that old title ah. is it's a little bit of a mouthful. Like try to say that every you know every time you're <laughs> introducing yourself to somebody, right. that's not going to work. Speaking. Of that, I was telling somebody recently, like, I don't know if, you, if John, if you ever had this problem, but um, when I used to tell people I worked on a game magazine. Oh, yeah. Oh, because yeah. if you say the word game magazine. Yes. Yeah, it that's, sounds that's, like it happened to me many times. Actually, right. you get the look like oh, and it's they don't know what to say. There's like that yeah. sort of awkward sounds like no game yeah. magazine, and actually morphed into a magazine about video games. Uh. Is how I actually uh, introduced it to people. So yeah, speaking of video games, we're gonna talk a shitload about them over the next what hour, hour and a half. Um, like yeah, but uh, not talking about video games really much anymore. NPD. NPD, yeah. What's up with that? NPD. The people who used to release, they've, they've kind of scaled it back. Like, it seems like, you know, yeah. back in the heyday, you used to get, like, was it second Thursday of every month? Some, uh, it, was, it was once a month, but yeah, I think it was on Thursdays. And you would get, like, the full, you know, detailed breakdown uh, of what sold the, the previous month. NPD right. is the organization that tracks... You know, video, video game, game sales. sales, and it used it used to just leak out. Everything used to leak out, and MPD didn't really care too much, right? And then they started caring. Then they became dicks. I think <laughs> they started caring because you know probably the publishers put pressure on them, right? Right. Because they don't want that necessarily want that, or they want to manage that information themselves, whether it's well, good, bad, well, and that's whatever. How, and that's how they make money too. So mm-hmm. like right. the more information that leaks, the less valuable their their information pu- is is to publishers. That makes so sense. for people who don't know, right? You have to subscribe basically, right, to this NPD, and you get the full numbers, and it's everything, <laughs> and it's searchable, and what have you. But now, so they they they, they it went from not kind of caring to saying, okay. You can release the hardware sales numbers and the top 10 and the numbers along with those. And then now it's nothing. It just went from that into it's up to the publishers. Right. And actually, I think it went from the top 10 to the top 5 and now Oh, you're right. And now it's nothing. Right. That's right. 
Yeah, it's a bummer because that kind of information is fuels lots of interesting discussions and it's kind of a good way to keep on top of what's going on and how exactly. companies are doing. And now like you kind of just sort of have to rely on on what? What can you rely on? There's nothing left. Fake numbers from uh, bad websites. It's it's <laughs> well, I think they're probably gonna get even more faker now. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> in in but here in Japan, you pick up uh, weekly Famitsu, like the most popular gaming magazine, and it has the top twenty, all with numbers from that week. Exactly. Right. Like wh- in Japan, there's two major sources of sales and numbers: oh, right. Media Create and Famitsu, and they both have numbers every week, and they're you know consistent, reliable, and I mean it's a good way to stay on top of things here, and it's free. I mean, free as far as you could probably get much further detailed information, I guess, if you wanted. But what they give to the public is enough. But it's strange to me that it's so proprietary for something where like movies. Like, imagine if it was like, oh, we'll tell you like. You know, the, what the top two movies were this past weekend, but we won't tell you, you know, amount of money or anything like that. It's just like, well, it should be evolving the other direction, right? Not this way. Right. And, and with Japan, actually, uh, Media Create, one of the, the top uh, uh, survey people in Japan for game sales and all that stuff, they, they run a series of game stores. And I think that's how they get most of their information. So, like, in America, if someone like GameStop wanted to step up, or someone we know, Cheapy D, wanted to step up because he knows. I mean, he gets a lot of information about game sales because he's yeah. But nobody but, has I mean, the network that right. That but NPD does. But GameStop could release their own numbers if they right. wanted. I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't. Uh, whatever. But you know, so, I don't see why NPD has a monopoly on it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I it, honestly like some people bad mouth like talking about numbers. What I like talking about numbers. I'm Me not too. gonna deny it. Like it's interesting. We're all into this industry. Like it's 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 interesting, right? Like sometimes game is crit- is reviews well and doesn't sell. Sometimes it's the other way around. Like it's interesting. And I think as the the industry matures i don't think it's like a bad thing to you know be talking about numbers numbers aren't everything obviously but like numbers are fun to talk about so. yeah and it's you know it's been getting worse lately too because the da- we don't get download numbers anymore right npd doesn't cover download numbers nope. and right. they also don't don't they not cover walmart or some one of the major chains i think i think it was yeah walmart they, 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 they don't estimate they don't get the numbers directly but they estimate them i oh, think they is do. what it came down to be right yeah 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 they 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 do factor them in i'm making air quotes but yeah well, since we have you here, Arnie, I'm kind of curious. Like, do you, you know you guys? Your games are published by Sony, but do you? I mean, do you guys? What do the numbers mean to you? Are you guys? You know, do you ever publish information about sales numbers or anything, or do you sort of leave that all to Sony to take care of? Yeah, we usually leave it to our publisher to take care of. I mean, we'll reveal it. Um, you know, if we get it from them but obviously you know we have our direct sales information but again only for our games maybe we see a couple other games but for the most part we don't but i mean even just talking about that uh, europe i mean you see uh weekly sales figures for europe too um i forgot which way they work but um i'm always one to say that you know information it it goes back to the old internet adage like information wants to be free right right right. (laughs) so hack the planet it is kind of weird that it's going a little bit backwards now right uh, instead of going forwards exactly all right so fuck npd that's <laughs> good enough on that. So let's get into actual games. So, um, but Arnie, why don't we start off with you? Uh, you've been here uh, this whole week. You came for the F one races, actually. Right. So you're a big F one fan. Yep, I've been a big F one fan for uh, probably about twelve, thirteen years now. Wow. Um, and I've never seen a race outside of uh, the United States. Uh, I went to every race that they had in Indianapolis for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and originally, I was planning to come out here because uh, F one and TGS were on the same weekend. Mm. And I thought, well, that'd be a great way to sort of combine two things. Right. Um, but this year, the F1 schedule, uh, the calendar has a few more races. And TGS, I think, uh, went a little bit earlier because right. of Golden Week or something. Silver, Silver Week, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so 
uh, they pushed out from each other. So I had to pick one, and I figured since I'm coming out here for pleasure, oh, wow, I'm That's not going to come is. for TGS. One over games. So unfortunately, Garnet Lee is not here, so I don't think anybody unfortunately can pretend to talk about F1 with you or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but give us the one sentence summation of the F1 race. Was it? Did anything happen? Was anything exciting? Um, actually, it was really exciting because there's a there's one Japanese driver, yeah. uh, uh, Kamui. I forgot what his first name was. Um, who, uh, no, he, he was on a tear on home turf. Like he was passing guys. Like it was like out of, you know, just the home crowd really pumped him up. And he was, uh, I think he finished seventh. Um, but like everyone was really excited. Well, you you sit there and say seventh. (laughs) I will never understand F1. Every time Garnett started talking about it, I will never understand it. There really hasn't been a strong Japanese driver in a while. They've tried for a while. And, uh, this performance was actually really, really great. I think the previous one was Takuma Sato and he'd been around for a while, uh, but he didn't, you know, he sort of he sort of ended up in the middle of the road most of the time but uh Kamui just really came out of nowhere and was passing up like some you're really... starting to scare us now <laughs> yeah yeah you're, you're starting to scare us you're getting this oh okay okay well in any case f1 it was worth the trip absolutely you're here you're happy all right so uh what came out this week so what you haven't been playing anything since you've been out here this week but what have you been playing Back in the back in the states. Um, well, let's see. Since uh, it's been Halo Reach since that uh, came out, um, of course we're taking a look at it. John, you um, played you played through that. I did. Yeah, I played through the yeah, single yeah. player campaign. It was awesome. Yeah, I did not finish it. Uh, that seems to be if you've ever listened to any of my previous podcasts, <laughs> not finishing games seems to sort be my mo. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, By the way, I saw on your blog your pile of shame. I think I can save you one game. You can skip layer. Like, uh, let me just—I'll give you that little bit of advice. Like, I had a friend who worked on it. Just take that one out of the pile, and you can move it over <laughs> All right. to the right. Yeah, I'll save you like a little bit of time. But uh, so I, you guys, actually, Naughty Dog, I saw today, uh, looking back for this, uh, reading up on some stuff for this for the podcast that uh, you guys thanked Bungie in the credits. I think for that's the right. Uncharted games. Yeah, we thank Bungie and Infinity Ward Infinity in the credits. Ward. You yeah, can't yeah. do that. Well, we can't. We're not allowed. <laughs> you can't do that. That's like. That's awesome. <laughs> why, why did you thank them, though? What was the thanks for? Um, well, I mean, it's not necessarily specific to them, but we have a lot of relationships with other developers um, where we you know, just do sort of vague uh, knowledge sharing, um, sort of talk about general technology. I think we also thank Gorilla in there as well. Yeah, okay. Uh, they were actually really helpful for us in terms of frame rate um, mm. and locking the frame rate down uh, really? for us and, like, the V-Sync. Um, and I mean, obviously, we're since we're both first party, we share a little bit more sure. information. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the same thing for Bungie and Infinity Award. We have close relationships. We can call them up and say, "Well, you know, how did you do this?" Uh, you know, and they would give us some tips, and it goes back and forth. And it's not necessarily those guys. I mean, we do it with a lot of other developers as well. Oh, that's very that's cool. Awesome. That's so, very cool, so yeah. what would you guys think of uh, of Reach? I'm uh, ashamedly not. I played like up until the space flight missions, but uh, so I don't feel qualified to talk about it. But but what do you guys what do you guys think? Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. I, it was really interesting for me at the beginning to take the change from the fact that everything wasn't like super brightly saturated colored. So for a while, it was like, what do I what do I shoot at? It was almost going back to ODST where you have the. Mm. Um, like the the overlay the overlay on um, so I, I almost cheated at the beginning for a while using the overlay for a while uh, until I got used to the color palette mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest change but I, I really like what they were doing it sort of felt like they were really trying to um, make the story a lot 
uh, more involved with what they were doing this time around. Yeah, the story is definitely by far the best of the games. And I kind of felt when it was over, like, um, I mean, I've always been a fan of the Halo story, but I was disappointed with two story and I was no disappointed spoilers. with three story. Yeah, no, well, yeah, no spoilers. Like, nobody knows what happened. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't know what happens in Reach. The book is called The Fall of Reach, right? I mean, no, I mean, you know the end, but I know something happens near the end. Right. It's supposed okay, to be surprising. Well, I don't know what it, it is. That's fine. I won't, I won't spoil it. But, but yeah, it is a prequel. So I'll be <laughs> wow. yeah, JJ's really with it. JJ. Hi. Um, I don't right? play first-person shooters, but uh, right. I would say Halo Reach. Um, I, I almost felt when this was done that I could, like, if I I could forget that two and not that two two and three were actually great games, but story-wise, you could almost forget they existed and sort of just like Halo Reach and Halo are awesome together. Like the way they the story. There's a lot of gameplay elements of Halo Reach that were taken right from Halo 1, like the fact that you have health packs now, or right. just a lot of the things in the environment and stuff. We don't have to talk about it too much, because it's yeah. been talked to death before, but in general, it was an awesome game. I'm really, really happy with it. Okay, cool. So, I don't know if you're happy with it or not. What's going on with Castlevania? Where <laughs> so are you Castlevania at right now? It's like a weekly trend talking about this. Well, it's so long. It's like 20 hours long or something, so I've been playing the crap out of it. I really wanted to be done by this week, but I'm not. I'm in Chapter 9 out of, I think, 11 or 12, mm-hmm. 15 hours in and it's been getting better I, I was basically like n- no exaggeration I was like five minutes away from putting the game on the shelf well, forever but like early on so break though for people who only like they live in a cave and they only <laughs> listen to our podcast as their only source of outside information last week you were you were up on it you were up uh, on Castlevania. Yeah. But then but then in between I was probably I got kind of down, right? You That's went true, down. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Basically like, you know, it's it it doesn't I think I've said this before, but it it's not it doesn't need to be a Castlevania game. You could slap any name on it. There's not much about it that's very Castlevania. However, um, you know, the first couple of chapters drag on. There's a lot of re- repetition. I did mention that last week, and you know, I was just about to give up. And then I was reading some comments on Gaff and the guys were like, you know, keep playing the game, it gets better. And so I did keep going. I finally got past the part where I was stuck, and I kept going. And since then, it just gets better and better. Every chapter gets more, like, you know, the gameplay makes more sense. The environments are beautiful. You were saying, like, the exploration elements don't really come out until later There's something? Yeah, there's more exploration later in the game. Earlier, it's a lot of just run into this room and fight a bunch of guys. It's run to the war. next step, fight a bunch of More or less, yeah. It's not. It didn't really feel like Castlevania. It's actually quite a bit. There's a lot of Uncharted in there, believe it or not. Like, there's lots of like, you know, the kind of scaling, scaling, you know, jar, large, um, you know, like a whatever wall. structures and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of that in there. It kind of feels like a little bit of God of War, a little bit of Uncharted, um, but it gets a lot better. And um, you know, basically, but the point I'm at now, the one thing that I still don't like, I will say, is this: the story. Like poor Patrick Stewart. Like he's reading these like long pages <laughs> between before every level every single level he's got this like page of text to read and you could just hear his eyes rolling like as he's reading them like he's obviously super bored like halfway through the game cashing a check he's smoking a cigar as he's doing it (laughs) he wanted to go on a vacation or something so he took this job because like basically you know and the writing is not that good either I mean it would help if the writing was better but you know there's kind of some sloppy writing in there and stuff and he just has to read off the page so but yeah in general it's starting to feel more like Castlevania towards uh-huh. the end bosses are better levels are better everything about it is better too long though is one it of the, is too long a it's weird like, statement to say about a game that you're starting to enjoy more towards the end is that it's too long they could have cut out like you know I don't know 20 or 30% of that content and you wouldn't have really felt like much was missing because there's a lot some of the levels are too long especially early in the game um, they did recently on Twitter, I think it was, or no, in, a, in an interview with somebody, sort somebody leaked that they're working on the second game. Yeah, the uh, composer mentioned it on right. Spanish radio, which uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can sound more sketchy than that, right. but uh, 
Yeah, Me- not to be confused. It's like with Mexican who's, radio. Who's gonna Who's gonna verify that? And it's like, right. oh yeah, it was on Spanish radio. Okay, I guess it happened. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like I'll just remove that. <laughs> I, we just did actually. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I mean, anything that big, of course, they've already got the sequel in the works. But right. if it if it if it hits, then. So what do you have to say to all the listeners that bought it last week based on your glowing... <laughs> I, I really doubt there were many people who bought it who weren't going to buy it already, but... Uh, Literally tens of dozens of people. I would just right, I would just say stick with it. If you're not enjoying it in the beginning, it does get better. It gets a lot better. So Okay, so uh, what else this week? Um, Monster Hunter. Uh, Arnie, just put your feet up for a little while. We're talking about Monster Hunter for the... I'm going to assume, and like, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm just going to assume like... Monster Hunter just doesn't enter into your. It's like, well, that's that weird Japanese game that sells a lot, right? And they've only brought one over to the states to begin with. Well, no, I mean, well, one major console one. But well, that just goes to show you how 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 poorly they've already done a they've already done a a problem. Two console ones, a bunch of handheld ones. Anyway, yeah, just. uh, (laughs) But the only one that matters is Monster Hunter Tri. Eight four translated exactly. But. No, but yeah, so we got the demo. The demo came out today. And Just today in Japan. Of Portable 3rd, which is the next game after Freedom Unite uh, on uh, PSP. So it was playable at TGS. We talked a little bit about it before. Um, we played it at lunch today. We played a three... A three-player thing. We tried to kill. So the demo, the demo is two. It's two quests. There's a quest to fight Royal Ludroth, uh, and then there's a quest to fight a like a snow version of Baroth, right? Like a new version, right? A subspecies of. Uh, the okay, Baroth is that what they monster. call it in the English versions, or uh, are you just making that up? That's what I saw in Gaff. Okay, so <laughs> anyway, technically, I believe it is a subspecies. Heard it on, yes, heard it on Spanish radio. So yes. yeah, my um, friend who works in the game industry said that's what they call it. Right. Oh, great. <laughs> exactly. There we go. I heard yes. a guy once call. I read it on Fat Babies, I believe. Yes. But, but basically, so I mean, I will say we can get into little details and like little. Th- oh, this is different. That is different. I did notice that over lunch, though, a lot of us were like, "I think this is different." Oh, I think that's different. Right, right. As far as gameplay, it's kind of that if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing going on for sure. Yeah. From Monster Hunter Try, like both of the bosses that are in the the trial version, at least anyway, are from Try. Are from Try, right? Correct. Well, technically, uh, Ludroth is exactly the same, but the new subspecies of Baroth. No, is but the point is that they're both different. from. They're not. They're not entirely new monsters, and they're not from Portable either. They're from Try. Right. The, okay. and, and the point is, we were talking about like I think that animation is different. Oh, really? I don't know if that is or like. Oh, did mm, you right. notice this thing turned yellow? Uh, like the sharpness meter now flashes yellow <laughs> when it didn't. I was like, nah, I didn't really <laughs> notice that different. even. Well, here's here's what we know is different, right? So there's um there's those otomu otomu Ayurus, which are like basically feline you know partners who fight with you. Um, the demo lets you play up to four players. You could play four players together, or you could play two players each with a with a partner cat. Arnie's just shaking his head, by the way. (laughs) Right, can't see this. Uh, Or there was, uh, or you could play one player with two felines, and that is entirely new. They're like little AI partners. The demo lets you pick like a fighter, a bomber, or a uh, a healer, basically. Right. Um, There's new classes in the game that we couldn't play uh, earlier today, but there's a uh, and and try. It's different from like if you've played. Monster Hunter Freedom Unite, then they're not new, really. But if you if tries the first one you ever played, then 
then the bow, uh, the uh, the healing horn, the healing horn, uh, hunter hunting horn, horn yeah, uh, and um, <laughs> point point of order, hunter <laughs> hunter horn, yes, the hunting. Actually, I, th- I believe it's hunting horn, yes, and uh, the gun lance and uh, dual swords are are new, I guess. And then if you did play portable, the slash axe is new, basically. Correct, right. um, so basically, I, I was kind of pissed that in the multiplayer that the hunt. Horn was not available because that's kind of a magic user of the Monster Hunter world. Right. It's like the buffer, healer, everything. Right. So I'm curious to see how that's going to work out. But anyway, game looks amazing. Yes. Like, technically super impressive. Like Animation push, looks amazing. The PSP is, like, really getting fucking pushed, like, hard. Mm-hmm. Big yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, and fun, cool. Like, it comes back to you immediately, even if you're using the fucking... The claw, claw. <laughs> yeah, the claw. claw to move the camera around. The camera is annoying, but it comes back to you kind of fast. So. Yeah, um, it's it's anything pretty sad. On uh, no, I mean, well, the one thing, the one big thing, right, is there's no water now. There was water underwater elements areas in the tri, and they're not in this one. But you know, as a result of that, there are some different things. Like Royal Ludroth in the tri in tri goes underwater a lot, right? But in this one, we saw him run back to a waterfall and like. I don't know, wash up under the waterfall to heal or something. Right, so he doesn't well, go he, he kind of re-inflates his spongy high. Right. Like, but to somebody who doesn't play Monster Hunter, and I'm looking at Arnie this, right now, this, it's just like the most ridiculous... just make like, sure he stays awake. This isn't for people <laughs> who don't play Monster Hunter. These are for the Monster Hunters. Fair enough. Right. Well, I love I, that shit. I don't blame you. I'll like, I'm also you. thinking about, like, there are times where I used to be a big Final Fantasy XI guy, and so I can imagine, like, anytime I talk to somebody about that, which is sounds about sure. as involved right. yeah. everyone else is going to be like what is going on yeah. so have you played 14 uh, I haven't played 14 yet you have not no so what does that say why Why have you not even tried did, it out did, as a big 11 guy you're not really no time yet uh, are you once, I, once I get home yeah I'm planning to I've You've seen the reviews, have you? I have not seen the reviews. I hear very, very bad things. It's been getting torn up, actually. GameSpot, I think, toe gave it up, a 4. up, I think, four. is actually the expression. Toe up, it's been getting toe up. GameSpot yeah. gave it a 4, I think. Game 4. trailers, 5, I Games trailers gave it like a 4.2. Like Yeesh. All these sites are ripping it up, saying it's basically not finished. And superfan um, number one, James Milky, also. Yeah, he oh, seems yeah. upset about it, too. Tweeting but angrily. Nick Rocks also. Nick Rocks wasn't too pleased, I'm either. Too How can you judge an MMO as being not finished? Uh, considering that I've got to download, like, what, five gigs of patches anytime right. I play? Right. I mean, well, the one, nice thing, the one nice thing is you, you can look forward to it hopefully getting better with patches and stuff. But it sounds like, you know, the interface is a mess. Like they were saying, it's just really, the UI is just all, like, confusing and well, in- it integrated. Ignores, and it ignores every, it ignores basically World of War. Warcraft is what I hear. modern evolution of, yeah. Anything that's happened in the MMO right. sector that's pushed the genre forward, it right. basically says, no, Yeah, we had it right the first time, we're going to just keep with this. So. Right. On the plus side, the console versions aren't even out till March or whatever, right? But I mean, it's just too bad because the bad press the PC is getting is certainly going to hurt their, you know, their sales. Not that we'll ever know because NPD doesn't give us the numbers anymore. Wah, 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 wah. Well, do you think now, now that the game has come out and everybody's like, oh, let's not finish, whatever, do you think that... Like, like the real launch of the game is going to be the PS3 version. Uh, How much can you really do in the next, like you know, five months or whatever? Well, that's two patches for them. Yeah, yeah five but, months. But two patches is like, I mean, I don't know. The fundamental, we'll see. We'll always, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Just because we have to. But <laughs> right. But basically, I mean. It sounds like fundamental things are wrong where it's going to take, like, yeah, some serious time and some serious work to fix things. But hopefully we'll get some people on that have played the shit out of 14 to really explain 
what we're basically complaining about. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I've only watched videos of like the alpha version. I actually really want to play it, but I don't have a, I don't have a PC right now, so there's no you know I got a MacBook. It's not really going to fly. So right. So so speaking of which, I just use that as a transition. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say. Kirby Epic Yarn, JJ, you picked it up last night's out in Japan. Yes. Give us the uh, scoop. Uh, so it's it's for babies. It is. Um, yeah. That's what we were worried about. Okay, so actually, I say it's for babies, but it's kind of not also for babies. One, <laughs> you can't die. Okay. You can't so, die at all. So, yeah, yeah. You, you just lose coins. Basically, the, what happens when you run out of coins? You just keep playing. Like the what? point, the point of the stage is to collect a whole bunch of. I'm sorry, they're beads. Uh, you collect beads, and then you can, if you cur- collect a certain amount of beads, you get medals. Wow. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> how is this for babies? It sounds very adult. I know, right? Yeah. Well, the, ga- the game is very much like the present presentation wise. It's very much like a children's, you know, Story picture book. book. Yeah. And you know, it has like a narrator. Nobody actually speaks. It's 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 a really nice enjoyable lighthearted game and the level design while starts out very easy and plain right. it's really fun interesting good like mario brothers so what do you do what, what's the whole yarn thing like i, I saw it at e3 but i didn't play it i mean it, it looked pretty but what's the deal what are you actually doing well it's if you've played kirby uh-huh. Uh, you know that it is a platformer. <laughs> right. And, uh, okay, the story, like, if I give you a little I, I bit of... I don't care about the story. Well, no, the story is basically... <laughs> I have never played Kirby. What is Kirby? Kirby is... D-D-D-D, whatever Kirby is this little puffy ball that sucks up things. But he got turned into yarn, so when he tries to suck up things, they pass right through him. So he has to, he has to, like, lasso them up, and then he puts them on top of his head, and... So you can't suck enemies in and steal their powers anymore. What? Okay. Right. So it, it's kind of different from normal Kirby's. But there uh-huh. are special items that you can collect that, like, transform you into, like, uh, 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 fire trucks, spaceships, okay. all sorts of other different kind of things that you can... You can give you little, different powers. Give you different powers. You control them with a Wii mode. So kind it's of the same. It's the same gameplay mechanic. It's just delivered in a different way. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. I mean, those kinds of items kind of... Uh, they don't come along very often. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like just ways to vary up the stage design. Okay. Really. So I, the stuff they were showing at E3 was like very much uh, you, you like scrunched the entire used yarn to scrunch the level and it was kind of like a Mario, Paper Mario mindfuck right. kind of like uh, perspective that you had on things and you like close a gap by by yes, scrunching things is it is it that kind of uh, game? There, or there's there's that kind of stuff in it, but I think the how most, does that work? You well, you lasso like little buttons and stuff, and you pull on them. It's I see. The most interesting part of the game is basically when you tra- uh, when you transform into these different things, and and like the levels start taking different so, kinds of shapes and stuff. Okay, I'm not getting a sense of this. Though. Me neither. Like, yeah, I'm good not or bad or for us or against. See, us. That's, and that's the thing. Like, I I played it a lot last night, and I did. I wasn't like, oh, this is a great game, or no, this is a bad game. I was like, this is this is enjoyable, but I wasn't feeling too passionately about it either way. And so, it's got multiplayer mode apparently. Yeah, it's got multiplayer. This is the one thing I do feel kind of passionate about is that in multiplayer mode, there's no like camera zoom, so you're stuck in the same square. The whole time. Huh. So if someone wants to go down or you want to go back, you can't do that until somebody, you know, the other right. person comes with close. you. Which is annoying. It's very annoying. It doesn't zoom out or... No, it doesn't. there's no zoom. You're just 
you're trapped. Is it like full on real co-op or is it like Mario Galaxy where the second player is just sort of helping you along? No, it's full on two player co-op. Uh, two Kirby's? Two, it's Kirby and then Fluff, this new character who kind of looks like a, an American <laughs> box art Kirby with, but it's blue. <laughs> Actually, so I read something about that. Uh, yeah. Did you know? Did you know? <laughs> Kirby was originally. What was Kirby's original name, JJ? You look like you. I don't, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's Popo Po. Popo Po. Yeah. Po-po-po. And Miyamoto apparently <laughs> thought he should be yellow. Yeah? Yeah, he should be yellow. And that's why on the box art in the American version, he's white, right? Ah, Wait, the original so where, game. Where did, all, so where did all this come from? Is this like in a dream? Or? I might have read. <laughs> I might have read Wikipedia today about, uh, about Kirby. <laughs> right, it, but uh, I have a hard time explaining the game because it's just you I, do, you do, yeah. Well, it's just that it's it's neither here nor there, really. It's fun. Are so you, you know, happy? You're not, yeah, you're not beaming about it. Are it's you happy the, you bought it or not? I am, but it's like the kind of game I want to play with my kid when he's old enough. Like mm, three or right. four years old. That's not like exactly the, a glowing endorsement. Right. Well, the I don't music know if that is or not. Yeah. The music is good. The graphics are great. The presenta- everything about the presentation is awesome. So what's it missing for you to enjoy it by yourself without your unborn child? Maybe pace. <laughs> it's very slow. It's like I don't know. It's uh, it feels lethargic. Hmm. It needs to be a little bit. I don't know. Faster. And are you a fan? So people can get a baseline. What, what are your thoughts about the last few Kirby games? They were way too easy and over in like ten minutes. So this one, but this, this one, one is... So on, on that note, this one is harder, even though you can't die. You, you get hit a lot later in the levels. Uh, it's harder. The level di- design's a lot more, you know, intricate and more Mario-like. And, uh, uh, and it's so far lasted longer than three hours, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that much, yeah. at least. Right. Um, All right. All right, so uh, before we uh, start talking more with Arnie about uh, what he's got going on and what he's done, uh, this week in Japanese news, what do we got? We got Famitsu came out today in Japan. Yep. Uh, technically tomorrow. Or today when people hear this. This, right. this podcast. So what besides the uh, giant upset of the Microsoft uh, booth bays being knocked off the <laughs> top of the TGS um uh, hottest list right by who by what sega no capcom, capcom. and who had and basically kind of 90s they totally did have you need to see girls. images to really understand i know any but. of this but besides that what else uh the vanquish reviews right right some big yeah. reviews this so week. i wanted because i the yesterday we were eating lunch and i told john about naruto naruto uh hero 2 for the PS3 and Xbox, and I was like... Which you played for what reason? I, I saw a trailer, and I was like, this actually looks really cool. Oh, I thought you played it because... Oh, and, and also, Ashura's Wrath, or whatever, right. is made by CyberConnect2, who also did this game. And I was kind of curious about their previous work. And uh, I played the demo, and I was actually extremely impressed. Like, it's very, very high quality. And graphically? Or? Graphically, gameplay, pretty much everything. It's like a top-notch game. And proven... By the uh, well, okay. <laughs> yes. As much as Famitsu can prove something, ultimate validation. Yes, but okay. So Vanquish gets what? Uh, read off the numbers there. Vanquish got nine nine ten nine nine And what did Naruto get? Naruto got ten nine ten ten. Therefore, a better game. A better game. But I'm just Factually, saying, objectively, this is a game that I told you guys about yesterday, and they're like, meh, meh, you know what? Guess and what? Then, yeah, I, yeah, I don't give a shit. Still, I probably still are, but I don't fucking give a shit. It could be eleven. 11, 12, 47. <laughs> I would not care about Naruto. Okay, but that game is... It, 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 it 
it's better than its source material, and it's a really good game that's worth playing. You I don't think. even you're not even a fan of Naruto. Why? I hate I, because it's like a terrible, terrible, terrible. So how are you saying it's better than its source material? Because I've read a lot, a good portion of it. Okay, all right. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, things getting in, heated here. In is the, it coming uh, out in the West? I, I, I don't know if it is, but it probably is. It's All Naruto's right. big in the West, right? Well, if you're big into Naruto, know that this game got three tens, which is pretty it's a, rare. So. It's a damn good demo. So the, I don't know about the game yet. The other stuff, and there's going to be one of news stories about all of this yes, stuff. Our um, friend Kevin Gifford, friend of the show, absolutely. Uh, but so there was some survey stuff that was kind of interesting. A lot yes. of surveys actually. About the 3DS, which uh, other sites, a lot of people have been doing different surveys about mm-hmm. the 3DS, about the cost and the other stuff. But so, what was the Famitsu? Uh, so we we uh, Famitsu had two surveys. There was a 3DS survey, which you have actually, Mark, uh, and then a TGS survey. Uh, the TGS survey was they they pulled a thousand people about what their favorite games were at the show, like what they were looking forward to. You at know. TGS? At TGS. Okay, roll them off. What'd they say? Uh, so, let's see. What? Uh, which hardware do you want the most uh, after TGS? Nintendo 3DS at, uh, at number one. PlayStation 3, number two. Xbox 360 at number three. No PSP2 listed. I don't know if it was a choice. I think they don't. Japan's very formal about that stuff. It was officially announced, then it wasn't an okay answer to give, I'm sure. So. Eh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, this one was kind of interesting because we talked about this with Ryan. Uh, a new uh, new games versus used games. Like, right. which one do you buy more? Um, exclusively or mostly new games uh, consisted of sixty nine percent of the purchases of Japanese gamers that went to TGS. Uh, exclusively or mostly used games only came in at eleven percent. So and I'm guessing though that's really different in japan than it is in america. i think it is yeah. yeah you guys so arnie you guys everybody in america every american developer is having to deal with this recently right like the whole used game conundrum and like online is something that has a code that comes in the box or that sort of thing like what's your guys basic philosophy about the whole used game new game thing and and what's included and what's you know value added what you buy after the fact etc well it, it's really interesting to me just sort of even taking an armchair point of view since i'm not directly involved in the financials right um, but just to see it as uh you know it seems to be a very conservative view that used games are uh taking away revenue um, it seems to harken back to sort of what Hollywood and the record labels were saying, you know, five, six years ago mm-hmm. uh, when the internet, you know, the whole piracy thing was going on. Um, so it's really interesting that they're taking they're taking sort of that step. And so everything's sort of being messaged as we're trying to stop used game sales. Um, I think what EA is doing is really interesting sort of as an experiment yeah. because I think they're ta- they're dipping their foot into how to monetize secondhand sales as opposed to necessarily prevent it. Right. It, granted, it, it does seem like, you know, you're going to get your value if you get the game new. Right. Um, but it looks like they're trying to say, okay, you know, if you get the game used, like, how do we make money off of it since we're not going to get the revenue from the packaged game? Well, and even, even Sony has said recently that they don't necessarily see multiplayer as something that should or you know has to be that if you buy something used that you should necessarily you know expect the multiplayer component to be something that comes with it like people might pay for that multiplayer component um separately especially if you buy a game used right you're starting to see that with levels and stuff like that but um well i think i think for a lot of publishers it comes down to infrastructure costs i mean supporting multiplayer for a lot of publishers and uh you know a lot of services 
trying to pay for that infrastructure cost over time uh, ends up costing a lot. If you look at a lot of some of the other publishers, uh, I think EA has been one of the more recent ones, but they'll shut right. off servers after a few years because that's that's a heavy cost. And that's something that gets really difficult to factor into, you know, your initial startup costs and to, you know, it, it just eats into your long term sales right. uh, over time. I mean, I would really like considering how sophisticated our industry is, uh, or at least, you know, I like to think that our industry is very sophisticated and very progressive. Mm-hmm. Uh It'd be really interesting to see if somebody can really dedicate some time and figure out, all right, like secondhand sales are a given. How do we monetize this in a way so that it feels like, you know, you're actually giving your consumer something valuable in the end uh, and you're making it worth it? That's what everybody's trying to do now, right? Like, uh, oh, you know, you get this level where you get a code that comes with the game, you get this armor or what have you that comes with the game. And then if you didn't you know, buy it new, you have to buy that separately or something. I, I like to I'm, I like to think of it sort of, again, from my armchair perspective, that it's, that's sort of very basic. That's, yeah. you know, that's that's small potatoes. It's mm-hmm. like, how do we find a way? Again, I think EA is probably the closest to sort of go whole hog into what, you know, how do we monetize this as a, as a secondhand sales? Well, how it's, so for people who don't know too, like, what is EA doing that's, that's you know, getting so close? Well, they're, they're basically, from the looks of it, it looks like they're locking a lot of the online multiplayer if you buy it secondhand sales, unless you either purchase, uh, I think they were saying it was like uh, Project Ten Dollars, sort of what it's unofficially called. Right. So for ten dollars extra, you will unlock a lot of the compelling aspects of multiplayer uh, that you wouldn't get um, when you get the f- if you get it used. If you get the full package, then you have a code that sort of activates it. Right. Um, I think there, you know, ag- the problem there is you're running into a whole PR problem of how do we if you do that, then you're looking at you're giving people who buy it used aren't getting something. Right. So it's like you're taking something away. Right. So there's got to be some way, and I'm definitely not you know smart enough to figure this out. <laughs> but there's got to be some way where you figure out you know how do we how do we provide that exact same. Uh, sort of flow of product without uh, making it feel like you're taking something away from somebody who buys something used. Well, it's hard because right now you get everything, right? When you buy that used game, like just people weren't ready for GameStop to be everywhere. Right. So, well, okay. Well, uh, that was just kind of an aside, but uh, continuing with the, with the uh, Famitsu survey stuff, um, you got uh, some uh, 3DS stuff here, right? Yeah. So what do you think about the price? Uh, so this kind of conflicts with some of the other stuff that's gone around on the web, where right. like eighty percent of people, there was a one-up headline I remember, thought that the three eighty percent of the Japanese audience thought that the DS was too expensive to one degree. I saw that that was one of the major newspapers that ran that poll, and you know, also like half those people, well, it was a large number of people hadn't even heard of the 3DS. So like, if you had, if you're not much of a, if you're just a guy on the street who like is interviewed by like some major newspaper, you're probably like, oh, I don't even know what that is. What two hundred fifty dollars? No, that's too expensive. Well, and interestingly, Michael Pactor, oft quoted uh, industry analyst, it's in like the only one, right? That's basically, why. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically said, well, Nintendo regrets that they sold the DS and the Wii at what they sold at. They couldn't keep it in stock for, you know, two years or whatever with the Wii. And so this one, they're going to release it at a higher price so that because they, they can only make so many and they're going to sell them all to like a, whatever percentage of the audience thinks that it is just right. Right. But, uh, but, to, but to get to the numbers, so what do you think about the price? The Famitsu numbers are uh, users just right, 51.3%. Uh, too expensive, forty-four point four percent, and cheap, 
4.3%. So who would ever say it's right? cheap? I was thinking about this with the I other know. survey, well, too. Yeah, like, really? Yeah, cheap? It's like, what, 4% of people? Super fans. Yeah, super yeah. fans. Super fans, basically. Dealers, uh, just right, 60.6%. Uh, too expensive, 37.1%. And cheap, 23 So, yeah, basically, uh, just right goes higher, and the other two uh, Makes go sense. lower. So, like, yeah, it looks like the guys who run game stores and stuff are a bit more positive on the price, but I guess... You know, if you're taking the people's money, you I mean, be. that thing is selling out. It's, you know, right. no matter what, you know, they could release it at twice the price. It's yeah, I mean, you think Packers month, got a point this time. Right. I mean, that actually, you yeah. Know. So, uh, related is, do you plan to get the 3DS uh, merged data? What does that even mean? Uh, it's a combination of, like, the dealers gamers and, and the dealers. Okay. Yeah. So, yes is 55%, which is a pretty good average, actually, between the two. Uh, of what do you think about the price and uh, no plan to buy one right now 10.7% and don't know yet 34.3% so right. Nintendo has some convincing to do with uh, the games I guess not really surprising I mean that sounds about right I mean that's what I would kind of expect right you got mm-hmm. you're gonna have your group of people your core sure. gamers or whatever that definitely want it but and, and this kind of surprised me so the top titles uh, for the users number one was Metal Gear Snake Eater yeah kind of surprises me right i was thinking it was going to be mario kart or yeah mm. or i don't even you know kid icarus something new right but but actually a lot of this is old stuff i mean if you include mario kart and old stuff so so users number one uh metal gear solid snake eater number two zelda ocarina of time really yeah, yeah. number three mario kart number four resident evil revelations which is the first like i guess you could say really original i mean mario kart right. might be totally different we don't yeah. really know and then number five was professor layton um dealers it's kind of the uh, similar list reorganized number one mario kart which they love because yeah, i think it still sells now <laughs> exactly right. uh number two resident evil revelations uh three snake eater four layton and number five kid icarus so yeah like kid icarus only showed up on the dealers list as the last entry i mean i'm surprised it showed up on either list it's not like a big franchise in japan at all in america either to be honest well fair enough but there have been a lot of clamoring at least by the press in america for a new one right watch this in the TGS poll, they had a poll of game uh, creators whose next game you're most looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Oh yeah, look at this shit. Sakurai, <laughs> the ma- uh, the creator of Kid Icarus yes. the, for the 3DS, was at number two, right under Kojima. There you go. Who else? So, right that list. Uh, so we got one Kojima, two Sakurai, three Nagoshi of uh, Ryuga Kazuku Yakuza fame. Yep. Uh, Nomura, the guy who makes all the characters with the zippers and stuff. Final Fantasy. And, uh, <laughs> and Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> and uh, Kingdom Hearts. And uh, Horii-san, who does all the Dragon Quest games. Yeah, so uh, what else in Famitsu this week? Anything? Catherine? There was like a screenshot of Catherine. Yeah, a little bit a little bit more un- unveiled about Catherine. Uh, there is a picture of a butt with a tongue sticking out I'm, of it. I am <laughs> and convinced. eyes. There's eyes on and the there butt. And there's eyes, eyes yeah. It, and it's a, it's a giant butt that's chasing you up a building, and you're naked. So for people who don't know, Catherine is also the game where the ads for it look kind of like she... Provocative, let's just say Let's that. just say provocative. <laughs> um, and I've seen a lot of like different interesting kinds of chatter on the internet about this game recently. Um, I'm convinced that this game is like... Atlas's experiment with what can we do to get mentioned as many times as possible on the video game news blogs um, between like the sexuality, between the nakedness, between everything else about it. 
kind of interesting. Definitely a unique game. Like, um, but but Arnie, yeah, there there's the the pictures. <laughs> Arnie, I'm curious to actually get your take on this. This is something I was actually going to ask you when we got into it before, but. Isn't there like a formula? Like, is there something where you know, okay, this is going to get mentioned. This is going to make like video game news. This is going to get passed around the blogs. This is gonna... you see the screenshot of the giant boss that's an ass with teeth and a tongue coming out of it, and you know, okay, boom, that's the story right there, right? Like, don't you don't you get to know after you know so many years doing this? Like, okay, what are the what's the formula to get mentioned on the news? Well, I don't know if there's a formula, but um, obviously being risque and provocative is really going to get you mentioned in the news. Right, right. Um, I mean, I think it's it's really interesting to me that they're they're actually taking that tact here and releasing that sort of screenshot because mm-hmm. I think at least being a little bit more of an outsider with what this is because there's not a lot of you know English or you know right. Western mention of this. Yeah, it seems like they're you know they're really trying to come up with a mature story, something that's you know more adult themed and more psychological than it's been before. Right, and then you know if you're if you're from that mindset and you come and you know open up Famitsu and you look at the screenshot, then you're thinking, oh, well, you know now it's not just being weird in Japanese, like you know, right? W- what happened to this mature adult you know theme that they're trying to create? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, completely. Yeah, it's getting a little. It's getting a little bloodier and more violent as as the you know more screenshots are released. Like there's some kind of nasty looking stuff on here. Yeah, but but definitely interesting and getting a lot of talk. Right, it's doing definitely. it's doing something different. I mean, it's uh, were they pitching it as like the first uh, HD Atlas game? I guess is one of the right, big things. Right. And uh, and the Persona team made it is behind it. And, right, right, right. Yeah. Well, all right. So anyway, um, I guess that's about it for uh, anybody. Got anything else they've been. Uh, playing i want to talk about arnie what about you what have you been playing um i recently speaking of games i i don't finish but i actually do finish is limbo i finished limbo recently oh okay um which i know everyone had talked probably to death a while ago but i'm late to these things but limbo was actually uh really interesting um and actually turned my parents onto it um, really they're Whoa. they're a little bit more of a casual gamer i mean my mom plays like puzzle quest like right <laughs> sure. um so you know i just sort of suggested limbo when she was looking for something different and uh limbo was really interesting um just you know what they were trying to do with the the fact that it, like the the spider sequence at the beginning which i'm sure has been talked to death as well like that actually you know made me tense and my palm mm. sweaty which hasn't happened in a while in games right did you? How long did it take you to finish it? Um, I probably spent mm, probably about five hours with it. Five hours. Okay. Yeah, there were a couple of parts where I got stuck, and I was really considering looking up game facts, and maybe I right. did. And I'm not going to talk about it too much. <laughs> did you? <laughs> did you, hey, did there's you nothing wrong with that. Did you feel you got your money's worth? We we were having a debate a bunch. Of, you know, well, talking about it a bunch. A lot of people have been talking about it because the price. It's like a fifteen dollar game that's quite short, but seems to be very you know artistically rewarding i guess or whatever and original but um did did you feel it was worth the price considering it was so quickly over um yeah no i didn't have a problem with what i paid for it um there's it it did it it did its job really well in terms of drawing me into it Mm. that even though i i knew it was short just because i was sort of logging it Mm -hmm. um it didn't feel that way in the end um just because it really made me think about it it was one where you know it, the narrative really you know there was narrative but it was a little bit secondary but the fact that I was really trying to solve puzzles and uh, it was bringing me into that part and I was trying to figure it out and spend time figuring out that, that that's what made me uh, feel like I sp- it was money well, well spent hmm. I heard the ending and then don't spoil it because I do need to play it but I heard the ending was kind of unsatisfactory or people were like yeah the story didn't really like kind of go any player 
I well, I think the thing is, it's one of those people where, wanted more of a story, I guess. I, right, and it doesn't try to have too much of a story, but I think it. Yeah. Once you get to the end, it does introduce something where you start thinking, okay, they maybe there was trying to be a story here mm. that was a, a or a bigger sort of trope that they were working with. Right. That uh, they probably could have pulled off stronger. Like you know, people go back and talk about Braid and sort of try to dig deep into that story. I think there's a little bit of that there, mm. but maybe. Mm. Uh, once you see the ending, you want to dig deeper into that, and it doesn't feel that maybe that's there. Okay. I see. Interesting. I'm mm. trying to. I'm talking very vaguely since I'm not no, trying no, to no, spoil no. it. No, thank you. <laughs> that's good. We appreciate it. Right. Uh, they, they actually they try and tell you a lot through symbolism and stuff in the background, <laughs> mm-hmm. and like if you're not paying attention, you won't catch it. So for me, like I just don't think it's a very great way to tell a story it's great if you're like one of those people who likes to dig in and just like oh that might mean something you know or whatever but like it's it's too hands-off for me that's what aren't i these felt. guys aren't the guys that made this kind of the dicks at our party <laughs> that were being <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't need to talk about that we don't need to be talking talk about, about that oh well, i guess i just did no. well on the other hand you could have what is it 20 minutes of exposition voiced by patrick stewart so no totally right. there's definitely something to be said for keeping things uh brief and castlevania does not do that so yeah absolutely all right well uh I, that's about it i think for our uh first half so when we come back uh We'll talk with Arnie about um, launching the original Xbox, right? About uh, ARGs, about the Xbox 360, about working with Microsoft, about working at Naughty Dog and uh, Uncharted 2, what's next, all that kind of stuff. So uh, we'll take a little break and uh, we'll be right back. All right, so we're back here with uh, Arnie Meyer. We're going to get into the in-depth interview segment of our program, see if we can get you in trouble, like our guest last week. <laughs> last week, who's got yeah. the EA police uh, yeah. on his knocking on his door. Uh, Actually, we don't know if they're knocking on his door, but he's probably sweating about it. Right, right. That's good times. Exactly. Good good times, good times. Uh, we like to make people sweat. Exactly. Speaking of good times and making people sweat, that's not really a segue. <laughs> You're not so good at segue. No, man. I just do that. Uh, so why don't we start? Let's start with the start, at least with the start in the uh, in the game industry. Uh, so you were there when Xbox One. You were part of the uh, of uh, the team that was basically in charge of Xbox, the original Xbox launch. Right, part of the launch team. Um, I mean, basically, I started, I was working at their PR firm, so Mm -hmm. they have a big PR firm that does a lot of stuff for them. Was that Edelman? Yeah, it was Edelman. So I started with them um, in 2000, and that was uh, obviously where they were ramping up to launch. So let me ask you, when you first saw the controller... Were you like, this is too big, this thing is fucking gigantic, I can't even put my hands around it? You know, it's really funny, because when, when we, I, when you saw it, it didn't seem that big, and then when we played mm-hmm. around with it, we, you know, it seemed fine, Right. but then the moment the controller S came out, yes. and you go back, you're like, okay, I, there's, how did I ever play with exactly. this? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. What about the console itself? So, I was actually there with Crispin Boyer. We were doing the feature, the original EGM launch feature on the Xbox. We, like, revealed so it. So you got, like, the world exclusive yeah, on that, Yeah, right? it was a yeah. big deal. So we were, like, the first... 
people from the press to see it and they spent the whole day showing us like the inspiration wall where I was like oh here's you know the upper right corner is kind of the artistic stuff and then the lower left is like the tech <laughs> and like we wanted to hit the sweet spot and they spent the whole day giving us the whole Jay Allard's electric skateboard or whatever yeah, right oh no ex- exactly and they, they sent us an electric skateboard after it actually Seamus <laughs> Blackley's which is fucking cool I won't, I won't speak ill of the electric skateboard but they spent this whole day talking about they went to gamers' homes and they did this and they did that. And then they showed us the actual Xbox box. And I was like, I remember we were driving to the airport afterwards and I was like to Crispin, like, it looks like a 3DO had sex with a VCR. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the ugliest thing I think I had ever fucking seen. I remember that, and yeah. Like, the controller felt kind of big, but it also was like, it was kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like big and American. The and Duke. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was the Duke, yeah, but uh, I, so I can't say like the controller. I was immediately like, yeah, it kind of felt like it was a little bit big, a little bit different. But so when you saw the box itself and the controller, did you have any kind of like, did you have any inkling like, okay, this is the next big thing? Did you think, oh, this is gonna flop? Did you have what were your like thoughts at all on the entire you know venture at the time? Uh, I thought actually I thought they were really ambitious and they sort of did a lot of research so that they were they're approaching it sort of the right way for a company that could throw a lot of money at something and sort right. of figure out the right way to do it. Right. They had uh, online out of the box that was a yep. big deal. Uh, and the hard drive too. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Um, which you know which really came in handy at the beginning too. I mean Halo even just installed self-installed at the beginning so they were using it from the outset. Right. Um I mean you know I I when you look at it too it's it's also you know there were, there was a little bit of rough start too. They had some promising games. I mean they brought they had Itagaki-san brought you know bring that live over but then you know you've got uh Nightcaster and Azuric. Azuric, and yeah. oh my fucking god! And Azuric was the, was that the one with the blue dude? Or yeah, they were yeah. both actually. Wasn't didn't, there were two like blue dude games? <laughs> I think I think <laughs> those were the two. Uh, Nightcaster <laughs> and Azuric. How far out was it when uh, Jets Grind Radio and uh, 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 it was like a year in or something, wasn't out. it? Like it was pretty soon after the launch, right? Yeah, no, I think it was pretty soon. Yeah, really? it was fairly early. It was the reason I got an Xbox. Really? Yeah. Oh, the, well, not so much for Jet Set, but media. Uh, Rehashes of uh, former glories. Panzer Dragoon. After Sin and Punishment Two is my favorite three D shooter. Period. See, the thing is, I didn't. I never played. (laughs) I never played Dreamcast. So, like the fact that Uh, that, I know that sounded really bad. Well, I had. I had a really. First of all, get out of here. I was a a big Nintard for the longest time. So, like. A Sega machine, no way. Like a Sony machine, no way. You were like, playing like Banjo Kazooie for the fiftieth time, getting convincing <laughs> yourself that it was good. Yeah, every puzzle piece. You're like, ah, there's still a puzzle piece I haven't found. I'm, I'm going back and playing it again. Yeah, pretty much. So, <laughs> so like when when the Xbox came out and it was like this, this other chance to play Dreamcast games, it was actually like really attractive to be able to play Jackarn Radio. And so when you played Halo, did you have any inkling like this is the shit? This is the next big thing. When we played it, uh, I knew that that was that was going to be what was going to make or break the console. Right. I mean, it was, it was pretty clear. Like, this was... The killer not, app. Not, yeah, this was a killer app. So what was your job at the time? What were you doing with the Xbox One? Um, it was really it was really interesting at the beginning because at the time, um, Microsoft had a community agency that was doing PR and sort of doing some forum work at the time. And this is back when 
not a lot of places, right? Right, had not a lot of places were doing that. And so, community or community managers, right? At the time, they were focusing on like their PC games. So it was the Age of Empires and Flight mm. Sim, you know, oh, right. games that had you know really sort of hardcore niche communities that you could work with, right? Um, and you know, of course, being a company that wasn't doing that, we were trying to you know competitively pitch that. So we were trying to find ways to do that. Um, and when I started working on it, I was just kind of maybe a little arrogant for the fact that I was a very junior employee, but I was saying that, you know, I, I looked at these plans and I was like, well, you know, you're not really catering to the gamer. Like, this is what you got to do. And, right. you know, looking back on it, I'm really surprised anybody paid attention to me. <laughs> uh, but, you know, thankfully I had somebody at work who, who really I took the time to listen to me and uh, we brought that forward and sort of, I, I kind of became the token gamer spokesperson within our PR agency right? Uh, to the point where, um, and hopefully they've all been burned, but there was actually a cardboard cutout of my photo that was used in some pitch. Oh, oh my god! It's <laughs> like my hands on that. This is your target audience. Were you wearing like the sunglasses <laughs> and like the the like uh, the leather uh, Letterman carrying know, a surfboard jacket? Yeah, exactly. Well, no, I kind of had red hair back then, so I represented more of a oh, okay. slightly more underground. It's pretty good though. Still pretty good. All right. So so yeah. So but what were you what were you telling them like? Um, I think we were just telling them that they needed to find ways to uh, to talk to the gamer directly or to, to find ways. It was basically, back then, from our perspective, from my perspective, we didn't... I, I don't think I could really conceptualize the fact that when you're working with a community, you're looking at evangelists or ambassadors for your brand, mm-hmm. although that's what it sort of turned into. But that's what I was trying to tell them. It was like, you really need to get these guys on your side right? Uh, so that these people will play the games and they'll talk to other people and sort of start building on the word of mouth. I mean, that was a big thing back then was sort of word of mouth marketing. And, you know, right. there's a lot you of have all these buzzwords like, yo, you need to capture the evangelists and, da, 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 and like everybody understands that, but mind then, share at then, <laughs> then you were like, yeah, you didn't even know you were doing it, but basically that's what you were explaining. Right. Modern we had, we, community development when before Facebook, before Twitter. Right. right. I, there was a concept of it, and it was it was called word of mouth. And it was, since I worked in the interactive side of the agency and sort of doing online internet, we knew that that was sort of what we wanted to work on. But it, it hadn't gotten to the point of sophistication that you see now. And even then, it's, you know, we still have a lot more to go and a lot more to learn. Right, right. All right, so so after Edelman, after Microsoft, then you went to... I went to Vivendi. Vivendi, right. right. Which so, is publishing yeah. under the Sierra label. Right. Actually, Sierra. real quick, before we get to the Vivendi and Sierra, I'm, I'm, I was, one thing I was curious about is, I was mentioning this during the break, but you were kind of the first community guy who I ever actually like recognized online, like on NeoGAF especially, because you know, we all kind of read that forum. And like, you know... How did that come to be? Like, were you, I mean, did you find, were you like that on a bunch of forums and a lot of different places, or was that sort of like your main space? Because everybody knew who you were. You were like the Xbox guy. I just assumed you worked at Microsoft. I didn't even really know, like, your background. But, you know, you were absolutely, like, now we know tons of community managers. We know James Stevenson from Insomniac. We know John from Harmonix, all these people. But you were, like, the first one out there. You know, how, how did that how did that come to be? Was that, you know, what happened? When we were, so just before 360 launched, we were trying to pitch that business again. We were trying to take a different tack towards what, what we wanted to do with the community. And it was really sort of put personalities out there. And it was, it was trying to be, let's be really transparent about who we are mm-hmm. um, and what we like to do, regardless of whether it has to do with the, the company we're working with. And I think that was sort of what started building into, you know, 
having more of a known name when you were out there. And what we did is, you know, I mean, it was there were other forums I was involved with, um, and we we looked at different forums that we thought were sort of important to be involved with, where discussions were happening already. And it was like, well, you know, we need to we need to be more active in there. And we sort what of are, what were the forums at that time? Curious too. That yeah, were important. Um, it was NeoGAF. It was something awful. Mm-hmm. It was uh, IGN. Uh, Team Xbox. Uh, Team um, Xbox. Are those still the important forums? Um, Has something come to prominence that wasn't around at the 360 launch that now is the... I think... I. I think the Penny Arcade forums are actually a lot more important than mm. you would think. Interesting. Uh, I think that's a, a lot of people don't really think about it, but I think that's a really important place. But again, that's a little bit like something awful too. It's like you come in as being a, you know, sort of a mouthpiece for a game company. You're right. you're not going to get a lot of respect. Right. There's a lot of, and I mean, it's great that there's a lot of healthy cynicism for that. Right. 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 Okay. All right. So so yeah. That I mean we're. we're Skipping ahead because you end up coming back to Microsoft around the 360 time, but when you were at Vivendi, you were working on a bunch of titles that people would eventually hear about, but not under the, that label necessarily. Right. Well, actually, I, Vivendi was after 360, so I had actually... Oh, oh, you're kidding. No, I had uh, actually dropped off a little bit uh, with working with Xbox between Xbox V1 and 360 and came back on for 360, and then I went to Vivendi after that. Okay. Did you have something to do with the Beast thing, or am I just making that up? There was uh, that whole Halo... Was not involved with Not that. involved, okay. But you're a big... You there was an ARG, ARG I was involved with, yeah. right. Okay. There was a 360 ARG called Our Colony, which was sort of... Uh, the our big pet project to sort of win a lot of our community business and sort of push forward the philosophies that we wanted to do. So this was our test project with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, so yeah. So 360 launch. We out in the desert. Okay. Yeah, I, I was out in the desert, Nevada, which is actually like an awesome, you know, sort of 36 hours right. uh, with not enough sleep. Because at that <laughs> point, you know, even even when you're when you're not working inside of a company, you're not going to have a lot of exposure to the games. Mm. So to me, like coming out to the desert, it was like there are all of these games I've wanted to play and see real life. So it's like instead of having a good, you know, eight hours of sleep, I had like two hours of sleep <laughs> because during my time off, I was out playing the game. Was that the whole right. zero hour thing? Yeah, the, it was a zero the hour thing. The Xbox 360. Cool. So, could you tell? Like, w- did you have any kind of feeling like, okay, three sixty? They actually did it this time, or anything? Or like, while you were still there, like, w- was there? Any- what was the internal talk? Was it like, are we going to be another Xbox? Or are we going to actually like topple them this time? Things felt really positive, and I think it was because everything sort of came around to the fact that they knew they knew they needed to cater to the gamers. They knew how they how to build that critical mass, but there wasn't like a launch like there was a Perfect Dark Zero, right? I mean, it was like uh, guy. like <laughs> there wasn't that that Halo at launch to kind of rally around, right? Where it was like, oh, everybody has got to fucking play this game. This is going to be the game. Well, you had it's called Call of Duty, Duty right? Call of That's Duty true. Two. I was guess that kind of became it the didn't actually come out until the actual system was out, but uh, Geometry Wars became kind of that. Flag bearer, didn't it? For a while, right? Yeah. yeah. You could argue that, yeah. You could uh, argue that sold the download space at least. Right, yeah, right. I think it was it was more the approachability. I mean, you had the the time where they had announced that there was no backwards compatibility and there was the whole uproar. Oh yes. Yeah, and so then you had, Jay, Jay Allard about, went online to talk to everybody and talk about, you know, well, you know, we've heard we've listened to what you've had to say and, you know, we'll work on it. Um, and they started building the software, you know, sort of backwards compatibility for it right. so i think i think things like that you know sort of started to bring things around as well, well. you had a, something to do with that right as far mm, as just the, a little bit <laughs> i may be humble it's ironic though that that sony who mocked 
Microsoft originally about the backwards compatibility thing right. ended up being the ultimate like fucking joke as they, far as backwards. They'd really drop the ball with that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah we that, don't expect you to comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, don't worry. You don't, have to, yeah, you don't have to say anything. Dot they, dot dot. They both did a pretty terrible job at it. Let's wasn't it? Wasn't it also? Wasn't not having a hard drive in every system kind of sort of? A, I remember that being like a big uproar back in the day too, right? When that yeah. first came out. Well, I mean, a, now it's not so big a deal anymore. But at the time, it, it was, gave you more choice, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's what you guys said. It was another thing though that like Sony and like people, a lot of people picked that and they say it, and then now it's like I, even fucking. Dice, dice, uh, deciphering like with a di- all the different PS3s that are out there like who can fucking tell like this one's got this output this one's got I don't know anyway anyway right. <laughs> alright so so 360 launch so then you went to uh, Vivendi uh, yep. for a little bit and worked on what sorts of things what were you doing there so Vivendi brought me over to do community work as well since they hadn't really been uh, focusing too much on that um, and they really wanted to build it out. It was mm-hmm. again another company that was looking at uh, finding a way to do that uh, in a bigger way. Um, and when I started, the first game pretty much I started working on was World in Conflict, which was coming out just by then, which was the big massive... Uh, RTS. Yeah, RTS, uh, like Cold War RTS. You, you were working for them directly now. This wasn't through an agency or anything. Right, so, so basically, yeah, as time went on, overall in my career, I went from agency to publisher to developer. Okay. Um, so I kept moving further and further inside. Uh, I also worked on Time Shift, um, hmm. pretty interesting title to have worked on since it's, it had such a long development time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of games are also in progress at that point uh, that eventually came out afterwards, which is... Uh, which was like Brutal Legend. Right, um, right. So what was that like? Was that, I mean, was there much going on at that point? Or I don't, was that like, you know, how, how far along was the game at the point that you were there? Um, it was probably within a year of release at really? that point. Or at least how they felt that it was within a year of release uh, at the point when I was there. Um, Did you play it when it came out? Did it change a lot from when you had seen it? or um, From what I'd seen it, uh, we didn't. I didn't get a chance to play it when I was there. Okay. Um, but from what I'd seen to when it came out, um, it was pretty pretty similar to pretty it. Similar. Um, right. I, I think what what you saw internally was pretty much what you saw in PR. It was. It, it they did sort of amp up the or speak more towards the action elements as opposed to sort of their RTS like elements. Right. Which was smart. Um, I mean, they kind of had to. Oh, absolutely. Um, so internally, that's what you saw a little bit more of anyway. So it, it was sort of built in. That was the way that they were approaching it. So how did uh, Naughty Dog lure you over? You'd played Uncharted 1? I had played Uncharted 1 yeah. uh, sometime after launch. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just got a... It was a Facebook message from their recruiter. Uh-huh. Really? Uh, saying that they were looking at... That uh, actually happens? Believe it or not. <laughs> How very 2000... What was that? Seven? Eight? Something? <laughs> like, very uh, Facebook message for, uh, for yeah, your uh, job interview. Yep. They were looking for... Uh, they were looking to do... Bring a sort of somebody to do community in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, also help them with their PR and marketing and... And had and they had anything like that before, or no? They didn't have anything like that before. Um, it was really interesting because uh, as there are not too many developers that have that kind of position, so it's very hard to figure out what you are actually looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and from my point of view, trying to come in, it was very hard to figure out what you know they would need as well. Right. Uh, other than you know, you need someone to you know do a podcast or write on the blog or be on the forums, but you know, like what does it really entail on a developer side versus a publisher side? Right. And um, 
you know, we had some talks. I had the good fortune that uh, my boss at Vivendi used to work at Sony and knew the Naughty Dog guys and sort of put in a good word mm-hmm. um, sort of expedited everything. Oh, so they were like, okay with you jumping ship, I guess. Or is this after Vivendi had sort of come to a close? Is that why? Or? Yeah, that was after Vivendi had come to a close with Activision. Okay, um, okay. And I had a, actually had a really great relationship with my boss. I'd worked with her at uh, Microsoft as well. So we'd known each other for a really long time. So it, I was in a really awesome position professionally to be really open about what I was doing right um and actually get advice and sort of you know have her as a mentor in that way even if it meant that i wasn't going to move on to activision so describe what you do then at naughty dog like what's your we've been over your many titles and uh, and that sort of thing but describe what's what's your like day-to-day what's your day-to-day job sure do we have about two hours left? <laughs> of course um it's so the easy aspect of it is I do community work. So I work, I write the blog, uh, I hang out on forums, I represent Naughty Dog uh, in other forums as well. No podcast, no podcast. What's right up with now. that? Yeah, what's up with that? Well, it's a little hard to do a podcast by yourself. Oh. I, I, I need a good partner to sort of pull that off, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, part of it too, just speaking about podcasts, it's the same thing for writing. You know, it, it's when you hear everything I get to do, it's very difficult to start thinking of a long term sort of editorial calendar or even starting to think of next week's editorial calendar. Really? Um, so then starting to do a podcast just complicates that even more because you want to have at least have a good idea coming into it. Right. Um, I mean, I'm really running a lot more by the seat of my pants right now than I would like to. Right. Uh, sure, than sure. I have in the past. Um, and beyond that, you know, I'm a spokesperson. I've done a lot of interviews. I've, I did a European press tour last year. So you were everywhere tours. for Uncharted 2, right? Right. So, I, you know, I'm the guy, you know, as a developer, you can't, you can't, you don't want to send people who are actually working on the game close to the game's release. It's very crucial for them. So right. someone in a position like me, it's very helpful for them because they can send me to uh, locations or to do interviews. Whatever the fuck. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> do eight countries in 10 days. Jesus, did you? Is that a real? Yeah, uh, that stat? was the European press tour. But I, nice. I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I mean, it's something that I like to do anyway. So right. it's not. Did they put you in like nice hotels and stuff like that? Or uh, they're, they're, I mean, they were good. I, it, it's hard to tell because seriously, like you're in a hotel for like six hours of you're sleep, days. and then you know you're taking a flight the next morning. Like, <laughs> so let me ask you, Uncharted Two got a lot of attention around the Twitter aspect of it, right? And like a lot of what you're doing is community mm. and like the whole Facebook and Twitter like buzzword integration stuff, but like. Actually, Uncharted 2 had this thing where, right, like, it was happening. I saw it happening with people who had, like, the earlier view copies. It was like, <laughs> so-and-so finished Chapter 1. So-and-so finished Chapter 2. So-and-so finished Chapter 3. Like, da 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 So, but you guys actually had experience with that. You were out on the front lines. You were on the forefront of that. But then first also, game I could think of, right? That was, like, there was the first one. Yeah. yeah. the first big one, anyway. But then also ended up scaling it back, right? So, what's the, what's the, what's your lessons learned with, like, Facebook and Twitter? Like, what's your, like philosophy like your mission statement with that sort of thing i wanted to do a gdc talk about that but it didn't work out this time around um well i think i mean i think it's something really interesting because i think a lot of people are looking into it blur had the twitter and facebook integration as well. everybody's looking at it right now yeah Yeah. Yeah. Uh, i'm sure there's a few other games that are probably coming out this holiday early next year that will have it too right well now don't the platforms themselves have it i mean like on i see lots of people with their achievements getting updated online and everything yeah by the way yeah sony really needs to address that shit by the way like <laughs> hold, hold it in a little bit no yeah all the question mark well uh, you know it's not so much sony it's people i mean people need to it's you have settings that you can choose whether to advertise that to everybody right yeah yes and no like yeah i mean i don't know whose feet to lay the blame at but like when i'm getting too many 
uh, attributions, a lot of you know question mark or a lot of uh, trophies and that sort of thing. Like, yeah, some somebody somebody's at fault. Well, well, so far, hasn't it? I mean, like all this Twitter and fa- Twitter and Facebook integration, like everything I hear from you guys when this comes up is like, God, I want to turn this all off. Like, oh, so and so is putting all of his achievements. on I don't Twitter like it. Again. I don't. I don't need I'm to see gonna, it. I'm if I want to know your achievements, him. I'll check on Xbox or on PlayStation. I don't right. mind getting a summation of that somebody is playing some cert- certain game, and if I want to see all of it, I click on it or I do something but I don't need to see like maybe I think that was the problem with the early day, maybe or I, even once maybe, a day though like I I don't care I, let's let the guy I, talk I, who actually knows yeah, 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 yeah. So what you that's gonna do brother perfectly into lessons learned yes. right um, I mean I think what you were talking about earlier with when you were seeing the early review copies of everyone completing chapters it's when we were looking at it we were testing it we were playing the game through at what we figured was a normal pace but right. reviewers don't play the game at that pace they need to finish it you know in a day or you right, know, right. They try to finish it as quickly as possible so we didn't really take into account how fast some of the chapters could get finished. Um, so we built in controls for that. That was part of it. It's like learning how to not tweet so often, how to not update so often. Now, how did you build that in? Was that part of the pa- a patch or something, or like the first update, or was that, or you mean you just built that into like your future plans? Uh, no, we, we actually patched it. So at the beginning, the only thing that didn't have a rate limiter to it was the chapter completion. We had said, okay, here's the here's like the five different things that you can tweet about that you logged in online, that you earned a certain amount of cash, that you you know reached a certain level, and we said, okay, this one can only update once per hour, which is logging in online. Uh, this one can only update once per day, and it accumulates, and you know only over a certain you know if you haven't logged in in a week, it'll update right. automatically. Okay. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But the chapter one was the only one that we didn't have a set limiter built in, and that was the one that we needed to add one to. Mm. And how did you fix it? What did it become? Um, I think we said it was... Uh, I, I don't even remember. I think it was just we we wouldn't talk about which chapter you actually completed, but we had sort of aggregated you'd completed a certain number of chapters. Uh, and again, it was only like once every per certain hour. amount of time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what's the, what's the takeaway? Is it that nobody wants right. to hear about your game more than once a day or is it like what was the, is there like a new golden rule about twitter and facebook that's like oh remember the golden rule like nobody wants to hear about you know i, I game think more than I, once a week or whatever is there any kind of because everybody's trying to figure this out right i, now, I think right? there's two key takeaways one is you want the you want the people who are who are sending this out on behalf of their account to have ability to customize it some way. Right. So ours right. were very set phrases. Um, and that didn't go over as well as uh, you would think, you know, you would think it'd be okay. Right. Uh, but everybody really wanted it to some, say something more personalized. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. the other one is, you know, you need to think about which, which type of audience is going to be the person that is going to be doing this. I think a lot of the very savvy hardcore gamers are just going to look at their friends' achievements or they're going right. to set up play right. dates or they're just going to see who's right. online. But if you look at uh, Twitter specifically, there's a lot of people out there who just talk about, like, you know, they're just feeding in Foursquare updates. Here's where I went, yeah, you know, yeah, like, right. all day. And you look at their Twitter feed, and that's all they've got. Yeah. Um, and those people love... You don't follow. Right, those are the people <laughs> yeah. you want to follow. Those people right. need to stop. Immediately, yeah. Um, but those people love, you know, the fact that there's some aspect of... That you can broadcast what you're doing on Twitter. Right. We tried to provide 
uh, a little bit of a service with ours. I mean, it told you when you logged into multiplayer, specifically because we knew that Twitter was a way for people to, you know, arrange going out or, you know, say, here's where I am, everybody knows, maybe they'll come meet you somewhere. So we tried to take that to the online aspect. If right. it said, okay, I'm online, smart, there might right. be people who are not, right. you know, looking at their friends list or not online and say, oh, you know, let me hop online because I want to play with them. Right. So did you notice, like, a, which portion of people were larger? The people who just didn't want to do Twitter at all or the people who were just, like, twitting, you know, every time they were online, all the chapters, like, w- which portion was bigger? It feels that the people who were using it a lot were actually the ones, uh, w- w- was the larger population. Really? Um, really? I, I saw that a lot. I saw a lot of people. We had to recently deactivate Twitter because their API sort of authentication changed. Oh. Uh, and so I actually heard a lot of uh people saying they were wondering what happened to it because they wanted it. I think bitching is the word you were looking for. <laughs> there were a lot of people bitching. But, but they weren't necessarily complaining because they were say, like they weren't they were just wondering what happened. Right. Um even though you know we tried to tell them that it was going down, but you right, know, there's right, way right, more people right. than we can get there. Uh, we can get the word out to. Is that something you could fix or that's something that's gone now because of Twitter? Uh a lot of it's it's something we can't fix just because of how much uh, processing power and memory we're using for the game. Okay. Um, so if you had known this from the start, maybe you could have worked some sort of solution in. Yeah, the, okay. we, we would have to set reserve maybe, some memory processing power to be able to do that. Maybe if those assholes over at Twitter, <laughs> I think that's what you want to say. <laughs> All right, but, but staying on Uncharted 2, so uh, the, a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's get, go through it real quick. Game of the Year edition. Yep, came, came out, out in the U.S. today. All right, cool. How um, much is that? Uh, Forty nine ninety nine. What's in there? Because I'm actually curious too. Like, I, there's there's extra stuff in there, obviously, right? Right. It, well, what we've basically done is we've taken uh, you get the full single player retail game. We've taken all the DLC that we released to date so far uh, for the multiplayer and packed it in there. So it's a download code. So name them off. What are the the, the super packs sure uh, it was the packs. playstation heroes uh pack which is just a skin pack uh the uncharted drake's fortune pack which is skins and maps uh the siege expansion pack which is uh a skins pack uh skins maps and uh, a new co-op mode um and then we've included things like some of our pre-order bonuses like golden guns uh if since we're trying to get new people to play the game it includes uh you know some of the like uh you can um I'm totally blanking. <laughs> uh, you're going to gain cash quicker at the beginning. Because, right. again, this is really for people who haven't played it before. Um, and some extras, you know, you're getting avatars. Are there any zombies? A, there are no zombies. No Nazi zombies <laughs> okay. in your game? There, was all, there were zombies in our first game. Oh, I like, okay. I like how you said right. that, John, where you're like, uh, I'm actually interested. As opposed to, like, <laughs> as opposed to like no, we're just going to give you a fucking chance to chill here now. <laughs> Here's 10 minutes. Tell us everything. Which we are going to do, of course. The reason but. is, like, I, I was kind of a little bit down on the PS3 for like the first year or two, but you you're, you know, one of the only games I played all the way through yes. and really loved was Uncharted, and so I bought the second one on the first day, but I still really haven't played it, so I was like, oh, well, maybe I could just get this new one with all the stuff in it. Here's your mm-hmm. chance, John. Exactly. Did all that stuff cost money, though, or was that just everything is just sort of now compiled? That, that was all paid DLC. So oh, wow. The whole, wait, oh, okay. let me get this straight. <laughs> are you saying that I would have paid? How much are you saying that I would have did I save, Arnie? <laughs> I so, believe you're getting more than $30 oh worth my of content. Goodness. That's Sp- amazing. Speaking of paid content, what's with this uh, Mod Nation Racers? Wasn't there a Nathan Drake uh, a mod and cart or something? Yep, there was a mod and cart. Um, into Mod Nation Racers um, for that was all Uncharted themed. That poor game. <laughs> that poor, poor game. God bless you guys for helping them out. 
It wasn't so bad, actually. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just talking shit. On that. <laughs> yeah, you probably haven't played it. No, I haven't actually at all. So I'm, I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, any other Uncharted Two world stuff? Are you guys done with? DLC on Uncharted 2? We haven't closed the book on that yet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously we're we're at the point where we're starting to think about what's next right. uh, and moving forward. Um, so we're not going to have as much dedicated to it, but we definitely want to support it um, and we're finding other ways to do it uh, be, just because this is this was our first foray into sort of multiplayer and online um so it's really sort of trying to find that balance between how much how much new content do you create versus you know yeah. supporting the community so what did you guys learn from being this being your first foray into online like what are the big the big bullet points the big overview the big oh yeah this was a fuck up oh yeah this is what we need to worry about like oh yeah this is yeah don't radically alter weapon damage mm-hmm. six months in <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. That's a yeah. That was a big topic of debate. Um, right. I mean, I, I think I think it's really interesting. We hear a lot of people talk about how uh, how many patches there are. Um, we're up to nine right now mm-hmm. uh, that you get, um, and there's sort of also those sort of live updates that you can get. And it's really interesting that people feel that that's too much that they have to sit through it. When other games, um, I mean, there's some games out there that have uh, like 120 patches already. PC games. PC games. Right. But you know, you look at it. You know, there's a balance. You know, we're not we don't have 120. 20 patches sure clearly clear those things we want to add to the game and things right. we want to tweak um so it's really interesting that on the console space you're sort of hearing we want less patches yeah 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 mm. that is true yeah on pc like who gives a shit like we'll we'll just take it um well yeah so speaking of you you say like uh working on what's next so i was looking today uh you guys naughty dog is actually not gone two years without releasing a game since 1994 since way of the warrior that long three-year drought until Way of the Warrior. Highly <laughs> uh, anticipated. So, well, don't forget, we released a few Crash Bandicoot games one year. Oh, no, 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 no. no. One we, year? <laughs> <laughs> no one would ever forget that. But uh, So what can you say about what you guys are doing now? Uh, well, clearly we're, we're working on a new project. Um, I mean, there's no way we're we're even going to be allowed to take a you know year break without starting to work on something and looking oh, for the course. future. Right, the um, very successful franchise under your belt. Well, Naughty Dog got, has like, a history of making three ever. games in their previous series. Yeah, it would be a shame to leave such a popular. <laughs> well-received series game of the year they got like every award like ever like that year pretty was much year, i think it much. was officially every reward I, 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 every, I every award at the ever. end at some point they were probably just like yeah here, here's another one like we're gonna get another you guys got award. like the triple a like uh, yeah uh, video we don't have award. any michelin stars yet so. <laughs> but yeah what so can wait. you say about what you're doing now if you're not you're not doing uh, a dlc so what can you say um, I can just say, you know, we're we're looking at uh, we're sort of basically in pre-production for our next project. Um, everybody's just starting to work on uh, you know, Uncharted Three, <laughs> our, our MMO, our unannounced <laughs> MMO. <laughs> we're doing a third-person uh, platforming MMO. Well, let me ask you another question. So, uh, another thing that uh, that Naughty Dog has not done since '94 is made a game for a non-Sony system. So. Um, they can't now, right? Aren't you guys like owned yeah, by we're, Sony? Yeah, we're first party, so we're owned by Sony. So 
Yeah, yeah so technical we, point. Yeah, yeah we're not can't. making a whole lot of games for others. <laughs> no, no 3DS plans <laughs> on the horizon then, I guess. <laughs> no, but we're thinking about doing one for CDI. But <laughs> we've <been> CDI. Sweet. <laughs> it's interactive, Phil. No, but uh, is there any kind of new hardware going around in the Naughty Dog Studios? Oh. Handheld stuff, maybe. I we, don't know. we. Uh, I mean, we've basically been on the console, so we haven't really looked at. Um, I mean, if you look at all of our PSP games, there have been uh, at other developers. So we really focus on uh the hard you know the current major console in you guys are into the next uh, the next gen stuff pushing the uh right pushing what we've got to the envelope yeah right right i was kind of curious about that you know you being the community guy and sort of all you know what do you do when you're in this big gap i mean i know you've you've got lots of dlc and all that stuff but it's sort of it's i guess it's probably kind of quiet compared to like when you have a big game launching right like Uh, are you are you thinking of plans like you obviously know what's coming next and when it's coming are you already like at work thinking about how things are going to happen and all that or what yeah no that that goes back to part of what we didn't talk about a lot of what i do there is uh is work on work with sony on uh, our public relations and our marketing program um, and uh, even when I was at other publishers, all of the supposed downtime was we were trying to work on long-term plans and sort of make sure that everything's cohesive. So, you know, a lot of the stuff I'm looking at is trying to work out ahead of time uh, what's coming down the pipe. So you've got like a short-term plan, a sort of medium-term plan. A lot, you're thinking about all these things kind of all at once and like kind of have like multiple like paths rolling at any one time, I guess. Uh, ideally. Ideally. <laughs> Not necessarily in practice. Right. So back back one uh, last question about Uncharted Two. A lot of t- a lot of talk about the movie recently. Oh yeah, You've yeah. Seen... I just I just saw the David O. Russell apparently was yes. signed, and I thought he was out. So he was out. I, I'm, not, back I'm not privy in. to any of this. So this was this was big news to me that really? he was back in. And Nathan, I was... Nathan Villian is like is like lobbying on Twitter. For yeah, the... he's totally he's, campaigning for he's it. He's perfect for the role. He basically you is think? the role. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But so no, what's the comment? Is that is it because it's not a game? You're not. I mean, do they do they prep you for those kind of things too? Do you need to know all about that as well? Or well, what are your talking I, points? <laughs> let me uh, let me pull out my yes. piece of paper here. Um, no, I mean there's there's some stuff that we're privy to, and it's a little bit more of the creative process. Um, and this is going to sound sound totally PR'd, but like Arad Productions is really good at what they do. So there's a lot of tru- inherent trust that we give to them, and it's sort of like who they cast, who they work with to be the director and all the other aspects of it. So, um, you know, I'm sure that someone at some point was made aware of it, but it's not, you know, we're not so closely related to a lot of that. Right, they I don't, mean, t- they I don't, don't tell you how to make your games. You probably don't tell them how to make their movies. Right, and I mean, Hollywood with their news is a little bit like a sieve, too. Like, I don't even know if the David O. Russell thing was an official announcement. I mean, for all right, I know, right. it's like, you know, Ben Fritz has his contacts, and, you know, next thing you know, <laughs> Variety has this news. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. All well, right. That's well, how news of uh, LMNO's cancellation spreads. So. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right, so um, when yeah. when are we going to hear more? Like when 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 is a reasonable time frame to expect to hear news from Naughty Dog of their next thing? I mean, well, that's really tough. That's something we think about a lot, uh, sort of in the PR circles. It, it's what's what's the good time frame? How can you sustain a campaign? It seems like recently it's it, become very short. You want yeah, right. exactly. Where it used to be like a couple years out, you would start talking about something. Mm. Now it's like you might not hear about a game until six months before it's going to come out. Yeah, you keep it, your momentum that way, right? I mean that. that wasn't that the big problem as games were getting announced early then getting delayed and then it got to the point where like there's a couple schools of thought about that but i mean one is i think it's kind of the haves and haves not it depends who you are right if you guys announce something like there's a there's a class of developers that can announce it blizzard announces diablo years before it's going to come out everyone's going to 
care and follow every single little nugget but yep. like yeah if you're if you're not that you have to like like strike while the iron sounds top. a lot like the conversation you had with one dennis dyack back wow. in the day oh, tripping <laughs> back. Wow. But, but arnie what do you think about that um well i think i think the the announcement and the campaign cycles are being a lot shorter now i still mm-hmm. think the personally i still think the sweet spot somewhere between eight and twelve months um, and generally you're going to see most games announced like that, but there is something to be said about announcing it really early. Like a lot of it's pre-orders. You want to get your pre-order numbers up and right. the earlier you're announced, the more pre-orders you're going to have. Right. Um, but you know, I, I find it really hard, uh, from a, from a PR and community perspective to try to sustain it or try to put together a good campaign in six months. That almost feels too short. Right. Um, so yeah, you're probably looking about eight to 12 months for most announcements. Hmm. Wow. 8 to 12 months. So let's see if you guys stuck to the two year. We should be hearing something early next year then, Pretty right? Soon. Probably. Well, I mean, yeah. we've already so taken away. It's, it's got to like, be out like next September or October or whatever it is. <laughs> it's Uncharted 3 where the E is a 3 and uh, it's everybody's a zombie. We've already decided that. Yeah. yeah. Nazis are in there Zombie somewhere. MMO. Uncharted right. 3. You um, heard it here first. So you're visiting here in Japan. What else have you been doing? You've been, uh, you went to Grasshopper. I saw from your Twitter. Yep, I went to Grasshopper earlier this week to meet uh, John Davis, their community manager, and sort Mm -hmm. of do a little bit of knowledge sharing. Yep, talking a little bit of shop. Trade some community manager tips. Tips and tricks. Yeah, I mean, it it goes back to so what we were talking earlier that you you know i was the first person that you'd run into this is still a very new field and right uh, the great thing about all of that is you know a lot of what we do is networking social networking and talking to everybody so we've right. brought that over to the professional sense and uh you know we're very open about sharing a lot of stuff with each other uh, on a community manager front i mean there's even a community managers forum where everybody just sort of hangs out and is there talks about you behind our back right is that a secret what's that you can't give out that uh (laughs) well you have to you have to be in the profession the industry so it's basically you know just a professional forum but wow so once you have a community manager is that me no, we don't have. But we need a community before we can have a community manager. One step True. at a time. <laughs> but well, yeah, but like when Arnie comes to visit, like you know these newer guys, it's probably like you know Gandalf like dropping in or whatever to spread the community knowledge. It's right, like exactly. they're like soaking up every little thing they can learn. Is that how I'm, it felt? I'm very flattered. I'm actually, <laughs> if you could see me, I'm kind of blushing. But have you even called I mean, Gandalf before? I mean, come on, don't pretend like it's the first time. I, I'm not trying to be humble here, but I I always feel like you know like I'm not doing anything that that's that's great you know yet like i i work on a great at a great developer and i've worked on some great properties but i think like if you look at you know the hollywood marketing machine and everything that they do and you look at you know some a lot of the bigger games you look at what bungie's done with their halo community and how right you know, like we're we're not that we're not at that level yet um and so it's really interesting to hear that somebody would think that way of us because you know, we're, I think we're definitely a lot more critical from the inside. So, what do you think that they've done? Like, what does it take? What are the guys that are really doing it doing that? Uh, like, you know, the Halo Nation. You talk. I was going to say, is there like, a, is there like a kind of a known like? As I from the outside looking in, I would probably think Bungie is up there, right? Are they sort of like? Because I mean, when they when they, I think it was Halo Two that started all that community stuff was amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I, I think they were one of the first. Uh, console or sort of you know non-mmo uh games that it, that were able to do that i mean mmo has mmos and sort of online games like that have a long rich history of having you know strong communities and community managers but right. there haven't been too many on the console space or even in the single player slash multiplayer space and they did it um and i totally forgot your question already but you know what do they do well, that's yeah, kind of my fault <laughs> <laughs> no sorry i i think you know i i think 
they they do what everybody does in terms of what they're trying to do is they're trying to build uh, sort of this loyal community that can go with them from game to game, uh, regardless of whether it's uh, whether it's a current franchise or a future franchise. Um, and I think what the people who are doing it really really well are the people who have a really great long term strategy uh, and they're executing against it, and they have the ability, the time, and the resources to think of things long term. And in our industry, if you look at it, it's very difficult to sort of start thinking about things that long term. I mean, Halo has probably a massive ten year plan, right? Um, but you know, most games have you know a short franchise plan, which is anywhere from three to five games, depending on which game you talk about. Uh, I think I think I've seen like some some of there are about six games, but most games you know they're usually trilogies. Some games expand a little bit more, right? Um, and that you know there's a big framework there, but it's really sort of trying to put more thought behind that. That uh, is when you start taking it to the next level. Well, and I mean even like to bring it back to like a, a really specific level, like Bungie had those weekly updates. But even before Halo One, when Halo One came out, I right. went back and read you know every Friday like somebody yeah. saying something about. They're feeding the community, like they're mm. they're talking to like what people are talking about. They read the forums, they read like what's going on and that sort of thing. I think that they that they were way ahead of their time. I remember writing a feature in EGM maybe two thousand three or something like that, like uh, not too long after after Halo had come out, um, about that they did that, that they were way ahead of the curve as far as community management. It's gotta help that they have Microsoft's, you know, kind of bottomless pockets too I mean, you do well had that's true well now they've got activision's bottomless pockets of evil money but um you know you basically <laughs> when you have that much money it makes it a little bit easier i'm sure well i think that's also why you're seeing a lot of you know it, people are looking at it in the derogatory sense but why a lot of journalists are taking community jobs because it really is a content creation role right. it's not just you know sort of thinking pr and you know long-term strategy but you're creating a lot of content um and it's very difficult to find that with outside of people who are doing it every day which is all the writers Right. All right. Well, cool. Well, um, I guess we'll take a little break, and uh, when we come back, we'll just uh, wrap up the show and uh, say goodbye to Arnie. Heart and need for Itelatel know the precious few and extend the challenge to compete with the greatest warriors the world has ever known. The victor will gain entrance in the Book of Warriors, and his name will be law for centuries to come. Although nobody knows from whence the Book of Fighting came, it is known that it is the complete compilation of the world's greatest competitors, their methods, and their stories. Written by magic and the blood of champions, the book has been kept since before history in a mountaintop citadel in the Himalayas. It is at this citadel that the world's strongest competitors fight for inscription in the book. Good and evil, mortal and immortal, can be once a century to compete under my watch. All right, we're back and wrapping up. Uh, JJ, I think you have an apology to make. Yeah, last week I kind of like promised that we were going to play Okami Den, and uh, we yeah. didn't. But instead, you spent too much time playing Kirby's, Kirby's Epic Yarn, yeah, your favorite I, I game. Played, uh, with my wife, it was great. Do uh, better next time. Yeah, um, actually, one of our translators finished the game, and he said he really liked it. So there's some impressions. <laughs> there Okami. you go. Yeah, Okami Den, yeah. Okay. That's not really 
good enough. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to it. I mean, to be fair, I haven't really even played the first. I, I have Okami like is getting close to the top of my stack of shame. Right. So we'll I get actually there. can't play Okami because I get motion sickness. So I was able to play. It. Really, I, I'm, I, I'm Japanese girl was able to play Okami, but you couldn't. But what you do you have to say about that, JJ? <laughs> I'm less than a Japanese girl, I guess. <sighs> and where we should <laughs> all have more time to play games. You could never my, be the main character of Last Guardian. I I didn't ex- actually explain my nickname, but it's because like if I sound a little less stressed this week, it's because I finished a giant project. We right. finished Yay. a giant project. Yay. We, we killed it. Woo-woo. Yes, we killed that bishop uh, yesterday, so we'll have a little more time to play games, so uh, look forward to that. Next week, um, feedback you can give us at John. Uh, yeah, well, you know, we've got the Twitter. We've got the Twitter account, 8-4-Play. We're on the Twitter. We're on the Twitters. Uh, or on the internet, 8-4.jp. Come to our website, leave some comments. We actually do read them all. Yes, 1up.com is boards. NeoGAF, we love the NeoGAF. And on Twitter, you can find us at... Uh, Mark MacD. And Hiroko. Hiroko84. And JJ. SPRSK. I am John TV. Arnie, how about you? How do we find you on Twitter, personally? Personally, it's my it's Arnie Meyer, my first and last name. Okay, that's A-R-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. That's right. And then how do we find Naughty Dog? Uh, naughty underscore dog. Did somebody have like Naughty Dog without the underscore, or was that just a... Somebody does have the Naughty Dog without the underscore. Son of a bitch. Susan. And they haven't updated it in about two years, oh and my so God. I'm waiting for, oh my for, that, for that supposed, you know, we will, we will uh, take all the vacant accounts and sort of bring them back have but you tried contacting them like sending them messages and stuff or just i guess you can't I, I message them you tweet them publicly like, like, i can hey, tweet them publicly I, I know a few people that work there but i haven't gone through that we've we, we have enough supporters on their underscore that there's no reason to how many followers do you have like th- uh, thirty-six thousand. yeah over thirty thousand. So you should just have all thirty-six thousand start messaging that dude until they give it up i mean that, <laughs> i think that'll probably do it just give out his home address <laughs> you can probably find it at godaddy.com or whatever. <laughs> somebody actually right. got gaming jesus dot com and sent me a, a message saying like hey do, what do you want me to do with it are you serious really? yeah wait wow. are they like trying to sell it or are they were like trying to offer it up i don't know what his game is but uh, well, maybe it's the guy who got all your this is a story for another podcast for sure because it's too important and sad to like uh, cut in a minute but maybe yeah. it's the guy who bought all your games that you lost we'll no. talk about that another time very interesting right. story it's a tragic story or sad story yeah. mark got a tear in his eye anyway until uh two weeks from now <laughs> we'll see if something actually happens next week but uh officially you can uh you can catch just two weeks from now right at all the places john mentioned uh so from all of us and from mr arnie meyer yes thanks thank for you coming very on. much for being no, here. thanks for having me here and uh safe travels back and we will talk to you in two weeks bye jj you want to give us a new sign off hey wait a minute now people actually liked it the people on gap there were a few i think there was like three people there sort were a of few like dissenters but eh. mostly positive you don't, you don't got anything new for us? I don't have anything new. Arnie, uh, why don't you give us our very new uh, sign-off and our grand tradition of putting the guest on the spot. <laughs> wow. Of doing it. Yeah, JJ, what was it last week? It was uh, thanks for listening, but our podcast is in another castle. Yeah, so oh. that's, you got to outdo that. Uh, what, what's, your, what's, your, what's your sign-off? Um, how about uh, what is a man but a miserable pile of podcasts? As guardian of the book, I am devoted to the three true forces of nature. Good, evil, and the pain caused by their eternal conflict. In an endless search for resolution to this struggle, I have yet again brought together the planet's greatest warriors, but for the last time. For the Book of Fighting has but one empty page, and it is written that the way of this tournament's winner will fill this page, finish the book, and tip the scales in favor of good or evil for eternity. The balance of the world will lay in the hands of only one. 
Find the way, noble challenger. Find the way of the warrior. <laughs> <laughs>